Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. you stand with me one more time open your bibles with me over to matthew chapter 16 uh, we love to stand in honor of god's word for the opening text and the other scriptures that be on the screen we have been talking about seek and save uh, the battle for lost souls and how this is the time for us to be reaching out and letting people know about jesus and rescuing people and so we've been talking about that the different battles and the elements of spiritual warfare that's associated with sharing our faith and winning people. We looked at the, the, the sinner's battle. We looked at the believer's battle for a few weeks. And so now I want to turn our attention to the church's battle. We are the church. We are represented as the church as individually. You are the church individually, right? But when we come together, we are the ecclesia, the gathering together of God's people. It's called the church, the body of Christ. And Jesus talks about what we're going to be up against as the united body of Christ in this present day. As I've been saying throughout the weeks, we, this is not our home. We are just pilgrims passing through. We live in a society and a culture where our beliefs and values are actually the minority even in America, I would say. And it's a battle. When you really begin to follow Jesus, you find out what this battle is all about, emotionally and spiritually. So I want to peel back the curtain a little bit today and talk about what we're up against, even since COVID in our, in our nation. But I got some good news. Jesus has given us the keys to the kingdom. Some of you may not know what that is, but you're going to find out. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, this is the single most important question that everyone must ask themselves. Let's wait for that bass. This is important. Very dramatic. The most important question that anyone could ask, and we all must answer this, and this is, this is it. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? So they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Others are saying you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Not your mom, not your dad. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up and he says, you are the Christ. Christ means the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, which means small pebble, and on this rock, this revelation of what you just said, I'm going to build my church. Everybody say church. church. And the gates of hell or Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be backed or bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray your blessing upon our time together, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated today 
have a seat. Amen. Let's get into this word a little bit today. This text in Matthew, Jesus is already talking about when you and I say yes to Jesus, expect that there's going to be some warfare. There's going to be a battle. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'd like to also point out something here in this text that a lot of people miss in the church world. We think the gates of hell, we think that the church is actually supposed to be passive or always on the defense. That is incorrect. And Jesus points it out right here. He has given us keys. He expects us to advance the kingdom of God. That's why he says the gates of hell will not stop us. The gates doesn't mean Satan attacks us with gates. Gates are not an offensive weapon. IDF, the Israeli in Hamas, they're not throwing gates at each other. That, that's not a weapon. It, it is a defense mechanism. It is something that the, they put up to keep someone on the offense from breaking through. Jesus is painting a very different picture than a lot of the church, modern church thinks in their mind. That we're supposed to always be on the defense. No, Jesus said, I expect you to take charge, to be on the offense. Uh, when it comes to rescuing people. Not being violent and causing things to happen. And he said, when it comes to rescuing people, you've got to go on the offense. And you're going to be stopped by Satan and by hell itself, by evil. You're going to be stopped. But I want you to know that it can't stop you because I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. The power of the gospel to penetrate through them gates. You see that? Amen. It was a rally cry, Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, I need you to go and hide for the gates are going to come chasing you down Jerusalem with a gate. No, no, no. And that's what so many Christians think, that we're just on the defense and we are to tie a knot and hold on until Jesus comes. That is so wrong. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit so we can go into highways and the byways and take territory. It's all about land. It's all about territory, spiritually speaking. Hallelujah. So keys, keys represent two things. You need to write this down. Keys represent two things. In the teaching of Christ and in the New Testament theology, it means authority and access. Everybody say authority Authority. and access. Really going to hone down on authority today. It means authority and access. You remember when you first got your, your key, your first key. Maybe it was a key to the house. You know, uh, or you first got a key to the car. You remember those days? Being able to sit behind the driver's seat and put that key and turn the ignition. For me, the first car was a Mercury Marquee. It was like driving a boat down Wick Road. Huge. That was the car I learned to drive in. And Dad would take me to, parking, to the parking lots and, and let me just get in. I remember, I, I, I said, can I start it? Because I just love starting it, turning that big V8. That, you know, amen. It, just, just that power of that car. And then when I got my first key, then I got a house key. I had to put a key ring together for those two keys. So awesome to be 14, and wasn't it? It represents authority, represents access. I'd be the first one up. I'll, I got the key. I'll open the door. That's how I was. I, don't know. I was really excited to get the keys. Jesus is saying the same thing. I want you to be excited about something because I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you access to get in to the kingdom to bring my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to talk about today the greatest weapon or the greatest key of authority that God has given to the church. Now I'm going to take a minute before I get there. I want to set this up today and talk about some of the spiritual 
things that we are up against as the church. So some of you might never have heard this teaching. We go a little deeper on Wednesday nights with this. I don't think I've taught like this on a Sunday uh, in a while because Sundays today in our day just become a lot of more evangelistic, to be honest with you. And it's awesome to see people coming to church for the first time or long time, first time, first time, long time. And, and so we love to just... Uh, preach the basic gospel with with a little meeting in there amen but I, I love to put the cookies on the bottom shelf as it's been said amen so everyone can understand so this is a spiritual warfare you might have heard about demons and spirits and we've been dabbling a little bit into it uh but they're very real but i'll make it kind of simple for you today uh and teach you this so the bible teaches that there are uh, more than one heaven some of you how many know about heaven everybody knows about heaven right there is a place where God dwells in our eternal destiny. That's heaven. Well, the Bible actually teaches there are three heavens. And there are the first heaven is when you look up outside and you see the clouds and the sky and the moon and the stars and, the, and, the, and everything. That's the first heaven. Then there's a second heaven, which is also called the heavenlies. This is where demonic activity takes place. This is where spiritual battles take place, as the Bible talks about. And then there's the third heaven where God himself dwells, and it will be our eternal destiny when we leave this earth. I want to focus on the second heaven for this day today and, and bring some things out. There are different things that we need to understand. So Satan is not under your bed. The devil is not under your bed. The Bible teaches the devil is actually over cities and regions and territories. He's not hiding in the bed or in the darkness. We see this in many scriptures. One of them is Daniel chapter 10. I encourage you to write that down if you really want to go a little deeper with this. In the book of Daniel, uh, as he was praying, the Bible says that he prayed and he wasn't getting a response. And then an angel came to him and said, Daniel, from the very first day that you prayed, uh, your prayers were heard. Like I showed you a couple of weeks ago, the moment we pray, God hears us. He hears our prayers. And then Daniel was like, well, what took you so long to get my answer? And he actually said this. He said, not only did God hear you, but I am sent because of your prayers. Do you know that you and I can pray that God would send angels? You know, you can do that. And it's not little fat babies with little wings with an arrow. I mean, that, that is not what angels look like at all. They are mighty spiritual beings. There are different angels. We've only got three mentioned in the Bible by name. Lucifer, who is now Satan. Gabriel, who was the uh, messenger and stands in the presence of God. And then we have Michael, who is a, another angel. And he is a warring angel. And he's mentioned in Daniel chapter 10. And he said, I was sent because you prayed. In other, word, in other words, if you don't pray, nothing happens. And he said, I was sent from the very first day that you prayed. However, I was held up by the prince and the kings, plural, of Persia. He's not talking about a, a human person, but a spiritual being that withstood him until he had to have help from through other prayers to help him get through. It's a fascinating story. It's in Daniel chapter 10. And it's just really, and some of you have never heard that. I, I love that kind of stuff. Amen. But I want to show you a little verse that we have been reading throughout this series about the Gadarean. Remember the man that had a lot of evil spirits in him and Jesus cast the devils out, right, and went to the pigs? I mean, that, that was one of the most dramatic deliverances in Jesus's uh, ministry. Well, I want to bring your attention. I told you I would come back to this to show you about the territories and the stuff I'm talking about. It's in Mark chapter 5. Listen to what the evil spirits actually said 
said to Jesus. They said, uh, they begged, the spirits begged Jesus earnestly that he would not send them out of the region. The word region there in the Greek means territory. What were they saying? They were saying, Jesus, I know you're going to drive us out, but I don't want to leave this region. Why? Because that region had what's called a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold in that region. If you keep reading the story, that region is actually called Decapolis, which means 10. It was a collection of 10 cities that were Gentile cities. In other words, they did not worship God. And this is the reason why there was such a demonic heaviness in that area for two reasons. One, they did not worship Jehovah God. And two, they worshiped all other gods. You know, when I found that when people sometimes grow up in church and they leave the church, it's not that they quit believing in Jesus. What really scares me is that I've noticed they start believing in everything else but Jesus. And I'm telling you, there is a spiritual influence behind that. So these 10 cities, it was just 10 cities that came together. It's much like our down river. If you're watching online, we live by the Detroit River, and there is a collection of cities along our Detroit River. One of them is Ecorse. Shout out to E-Town. Amen. All right. So that's where I'm from. Amen. Yeah. Thank you in the back, Mom. So, uh, so you had River Rouge, Ecorse, Lincoln Park, Wyandotte, Southgate. These are all cities that are along that river. Decapolis here is a bunch of Gentile cities that this man was from, and they had an evil presence there. Have you ever been to a place, and you can just sense the evil in that area? There, I'm telling you, there is a spiritual uh, influence. Now, I don't want to get everybody all spooky, especially this time of year, and think the devil's going to get you at big lots, you know, when you walk down the Halloween aisle. I mean, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm not saying it, it, it really could, but, you know, I'm going to bring a little balance in there because you have the book of Colossians chapter 3, which I really encourage Christians to read this time of year, where they were asking Paul, I want to go to this festival, and it's a new moon festival. Can I go there? They're telling me it's part of witchcraft. And Paul said, those things, if you want to go, go, but don't indulge in the flesh. Stay away from things that will cause you to um, give in to the flesh. That is the spiritual battle. Okay, that's just out there. However, I'll show you here in a minute, there are things we can see and do and entertain ourselves that will influence us and open us up to demonic activity. That's absolutely real. But there are places that you can go. I remember in Honduras, there was a place that they called Devil Mountain. And I was like, I don't want to go by there. But it was on the way on our mission trip, and in that in Devil Mountain, they have these villages up there that uh, they practice witchcraft. It's very known in the area there, and right outside El Progreso, and on the way to Cuquiagua. If you saw that movie, Cry for Freedom, how many saw that movie about rescuing the children? Okay, the opening scene is in Tegupigawe, Tegupigawe, say that three times fast, Tegupigawe, Honduras. Some of you guys went there with me. This is right outside the place there. It's a real place where they have this devil mountain. I remember we went by there. I wasn't with them when they saw it, but there was a guy coming out. He was totally naked. He wasn't wearing any clothes. He was much like the demoniac in Mark. And uh, because there's such a heavy presence of witchcraft and demonic activity in that area. Yeah. So that's where we go. That's where we went and brought these little crosses and preached Jesus Christ. Why? Because we got the keys to the kingdom. 
And we can go into that place and tell people about the love of Jesus. And listen, you don't have to give yourself into cutting yourself and into these pagan practices. There is a God who loves you and has a purpose for your life. And we saw a lot of deliverances happen right there in the service and right outside the service. And in fact, my dad was there one time preaching, and there were so many people coming in the pouring down rain during the rainy season. They were packed out in this little building outside in the, in the rain looking in the windows all around, buses pulling up, hundreds and hundreds hundreds of people because revival was coming and because Jesus was being proclaimed. And he said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Give him praise today. Hallelujah. Yeah. So we got to be afraid of that. You don't got to be afraid of no ghost. Amen. So Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6, one of the most classical scriptures in the New Testament. He says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's that second heaven, in the heavenlies. And I don't have time to break down. This is actually a hierarchy of, of Satan's kingdom, principalities and powers. There's books written on that, and there absolutely are. Just like God has a kingdom, Jesus taught that Satan also has a kingdom. And so where am I going with this? This is the whole thing that... What do they do? Okay, they, they possess people, they're bad. Yeah, but what do they do? What's the practice? I love to break it down a little bit. This is what the demonic spirits do according to the Bible. They're not just flying around like Casper scaring people. The Bible teaches that, here's the word, they are the evil influence in our culture and in society today. They influence man. This is what the Bible teaches. You find this in Ephesians 2, and the same letter written by Paul, and he says, and he's talking about you and me before we come to know Jesus Christ. Can you, everybody okay? I know it's kind of dark out there. You ain't getting scared, right? Everybody's okay? All right. You're with me. You talk about this stuff. People get stirred up. Ephesians 2, but this is so true. This is where we're living at today. We got to become more aware of what's going on. Ephesians 2 says, in which Paul says this, you once walked meaning lived your life. The word walk in the New Testament means to live. So you once live your life, watch this, according to the prince of the power of the air. Air, Greek word territory, it's the second heavens. It's the spiritual realm which Satan was cast down from the third heaven. And I'll get to that in a moment. He says, we once walked according to his influence, the spirit, small s, because Holy Spirit is capital S. Amen. Anyway, point out. Who now works. This is mind-blowing. Who now works in people, the sons of disobedience. Do you realize that this is one of the ways that the devil works? He actually influences people. And to go a little deeper with that, he actually says all of us were like that until we came to Jesus. You may not even believe in a devil before you came to Jesus. Here's the thing, you, unless you're walking in the truth of God's word and your eyes have been opened, you are actually walking in the flesh and the desires thereof, which is under the umbrella of Satan and the evil one and the prince and the power of the air, which leads to murder, selfishness. I mean, there's lists in 1 Corinthians 6, there's lists in Galatians chapter 5, and witchcraft is part of it, but witchcraft gets way too much uh, attention. Do you know what is just as demonic as witchcraft? Rebellion. Do you know what the biggest problem in the church is stubbornness and rebellion that we fight the most as people and believers of Christ? 
I ain't getting no amens in here, Lawrence. What's going on this morning? My mic on the screens. You guys watching with me. Well, that means when God says, I want you to get water baptized, I want you to come deeper in your faith, I want you to read your word, I want you to share your faith, I want you to, this is why we say sign up for stuff and scan the QR code. It's not so we can get whatever you may think. We want you to grow in your faith and in your understanding of the truth of God's word. Which I'm going to get here in a second, but people don't believe that. And I'm going to show you that's because you've got that idea from society and from culture not to trust any establishment because it come from the devil. Now, this is the other pandemics that has impacted the modern church. Let me give you one, two, three, four, five of these kind of quickly. Now, these are actually from uh, Dr. Ed Stetzer, spirit-filled man of God. He's a missiologist, okay? So I don't know too many missiologists, but I know this guy. This guy, missiologist, is someone who studies church history. He's also the author and editor of, and, and a professor and the dean at Telbalt School of Theology at Viola University. Very smart man. We just went and heard him a little while ago, and he's got this article out about the other six pandemics. So I took a couple from him, and I took the rest from Scripture, right from my heart, put them together, and these are just what I believe that since COVID, I mean, that was the other pandemic. COVID, it happened. I don't want to trigger anybody because people get all crazy, and I, I get tired of hearing about it. But listen, since that left... It accelerated, I believe, these problems. We've always had these problems, but I think it's accelerated it. And primarily, this is what the church battles right now. First one is depression. This is mental health issues. I want to tell you that there is a chemical imbalance. There is something that has, that's related. Depression can be linked to lack of sleep, our physiological side, our diets. Absolutely. If you study Hippocrates, this was his thing. And all people in the medical profession took the Hippocratic Oath. Why? Because he's the father of medicine. His whole teaching was sometimes we get sick. It's not a demon. It's because we eat too many Twinkies. Let me give you the teaching and theology of Hippocrates. In other words, that's part of it. And I agree and absolutely. But I'm also here to tell you that the Bible teaches there's also a spiritual and demonic um, cause and spiritual cause that causes levels of depression that needs to be broken by Jesus Christ. And an example of this is in 2 Peter. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, as it was in the days of Noah, right? But it, did you know it also says... As it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What's the days of Lot? Go look at Genesis about Sodom and Gomorrah. But Second Peter, talking about the end times, pulls this scripture out and tells us a little bit about what he's talking about. And he says that God rescued Lot, starts off with great news, and that's, that's good news. God can rescue anybody. Why? Because no one is out of God's reach. Yeah, give him praise for that. God rescued Lot, but look what he describes Lot. A righteous man, so you may not think he's righteous, but the Bible calls him righteous. Was he a righteous man if the Bible calls him righteous? Absolutely. So he's a righteous man who was oppressed. There's the word. Wasn't possessed. He was a righteous, God-fearing man, but he was oppressed. The word means to be heavy as a heavy garment. By the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them was tormented. He was tormented in his soul. 
Are you with me today? From day to day, and this is how it was, by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. When I was a youth pastor, I'd bring this out. And this is one of the scriptures I would show you that the things we watch and the things we listen to do impact our soul. Jesus said, your eyes are the gates of the soul. It absolutely is. That's why you as a believer, we need to put some boundaries. There are some things that can, that can influence us and impact us in a very negative way. This time of year, everyone's all scared and boo-boo and all this and all these movies are out. I will be the first to tell you, I don't recommend any believer going to see these horror films. I, 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 I don't want to be that guy, you know, get off my lawn. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, you know, that, that stay away from scary movies. I like intense movies. I'm a movie guy. I love sci-fi. But uh, the horror movies that that you are seeing today, the conjure and this stuff, and I know a lot of Christians love to go and get scared. I'm, I'm telling you, you always notice that, that it involves children and, and, and it involves uh, sacrilege like priests and stuff. And it's always, I'm telling you as, as someone who's spiritually awakened that there is an influence behind that. And, and here's another thing that this time of year, the ghosts and goblins, you know, I, I, I just, the only caution I give parents is that one of the things we may be teaching our kids inadvertently when you let them see the ghosts and that, and it's all friendly, is that you're actually teaching them that ghosts are mythological, that they're myths, they're not real. And, and, and it starts to think in their mind that these spirits aren't really real because we sat, we've seen it as a kid growing up. And I'm here to tell you they are very real, and the Bible teaches against that, so you need to be careful with that. Someone bring me some water. I saw Matt bring that up here. Here, I'm getting a little thirsty. No one likes a dry preacher. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, honey. Give it up for my wife. Isn't she awesome? Well, amen. So, depression, that, that's a real thing. Second, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to comment on all of them too long. I've got to keep going. Division. This is another issue that we have. It's from, it's from the enemy. It's division. There's never been a more divided time we've always been divided as a country never this bad even with our our own two political parties there's division in all of them which we're we're the minority in the world by the way with only having two political parties you ever know you realize that you, you can be like these other countries they have one of them has 16 political parties could you imagine if we had 16 political parties we're one of the very few that only has two and we make up a very small percentage of the world, by the way, when you want to talk politics. And so, but even within the political arena, they're divided. You got the far left, and then you got the liberal, you got the moderate, you got the conservative, you got the far, you got the far. I mean, we're so divided. Well, did you know that one of the, the word devil actually comes from the Greek word diablos, and it actually means to divide, to separate, or to throw against. And you see this division happening in our country, and I do believe it is in um, direct correlation with a lot of it with Israel. Because if you have no America, I'm just here to tell you, you will have no Israel. They will wipe Israel off the map. If you know anything about the Middle East, the one reason why Iran has not attacked them, and they have not, even though they're surrounded by people, most of them, are hostile against Israel. The reason why Israel has st stood there is because the international community in 1948, us included, awarded Israel the state and said you are and recognized you as a Jewish, the first ever Jewish state, or at least in 1,500 years. 
And ever since then, they've been in wars and battles. And I see America, the closest ally. I mean, we're the ones that gave them the Iron Dome. And if America don't stand with Israel, I, I will prophesy you to, today that tomorrow they will be gone. The enemy is about division. Even in our homes, he tries to divide us. He tries to divide church. And this is the big thing against churches. People are divided. Distrust. Distrust. We've never had such a high level of distrust toward institutions, towards media and other entities as we do today. Anything that is established, there's like a narrative out there that is like, don't trust it. Did you catch that? And many of these entities were actually created to protect us and serve us. Our government, the WHO, Big Pharma, media. These were all supposed to protect and serve the American people. Well, we have seen them flat out lie to us. We've seen them filled with corruption. We've seen them be so, uh, so political and so many bureaucratic, biocratic, whatever, you know, unclean and, and, and not trustworthy. Here's the thing. Many people don't even know whom to believe or who to trust. That's today. It's amazing. People want churches to grow, right? When we're 10 people, oh, we want to grow. We grow and people, ah, I don't know if I like that. I don't know if you can trust that church. It's just, and I'm telling you, it's demonic. The early church grew by the thousands every day. 3,000 was added on the day of Pentecost. 3,000. Boom. Just like that. Why? Everything God touches grows. Everything Satan touches declines, divides, and come against each other. I'm pulling the curtain back today. Come on, somebody. Help me today. It put them thoughts in your mind. Oh, you can't trust. Oh, you that, that's the enemy. That's exactly what he does. He's trying to influence the church. He did this in the early church with Ananias and Safari. He did it with other people right in the middle of revival. He began to try to divide that church with the whole distribution to the widows, the whole gossip thing, the whole everything. I mean, that's exact, this is what the church is battling. This is what the church is battling. Defamation, we've never had, and social media has made, made this so easy. I'm on social media. Social media is a great tool. It's a great tool, but it also has helped. Listen, anyone can find anyone and then say anything without no accountability. And a lot of times what happens on social media is that people will say stuff, right, that they'll never say to your face. But boy, on Twitter or X or whatever else, man, they'll, just, they'll just rip you to shreds. And that's our culture that we're in today. And it's caused people, listen, to become offended and hurt and standoffish and not trust in relationships because they got hurt last time they opened up. And that's how you felt about me and insecurities and all of these things. I'm telling you, this is from the enemy. This is demonic. Use your social media as a platform to spread the gospel. Use it to, to liberate people, to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. Post some good scriptures down there from time to time. Hey, man, what's your play little enchiladas? Hallelujah. I mean, that's cool. But put a little something in there with the gospel. Use it for something good. That's a great tool, especially when we have like 70-something percent of our country is on social media, if not more. Defamation. And lastly is deception. 
so much deception. This is probably the most deadliest. When Jesus talked about the end times, he said there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be wars. When you see Israel surrounded, flee because this is what's going to happen. I mean, those are all scriptures that gets our attention. It's all over YouTube right now. Absolutely. But here's what Jesus warned more about all of them. In fact, six times in one little passage of scripture, and it was this, beware of men. Beware of the teaching of men who will try to pull you out of where God has you and have you follow after them and will tell you this and will tell you that and will bring a little scripture in with that. It's deception. We have people actually siding with Hamas and they really don't even realize what they're saying. So I told you, I looked it up. It is a demonic spirit. It is a spirit of violence in Genesis chapter 6. It's the same same similar word. I don't believe it's the same word from Hamas because that's actually an acronym, but it means violence. It means, you know, it, it, I think it's the same spirit. And people around saying things like from the river to the sea, please don't say that. I mean, please, if you only knew what that meant, that was, that's from Hamas saying from the river, that's the Jordan River to the sea, Mediterranean Sea, wipe them off from the river to the sea. They're actually talking about genocide, killing the entire Jewish population from the river to the sea when they chant that. And people don't even know what they're saying. And more scary, some people do know what they're saying and they're holding up those signs. I'm telling you, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that have influenced this culture and don't even realize what they're saying and what they're doing. It's the same thing that you've seen happen during World War II when you go to Holocaust museums and you go, how did this happen? How in the world did Hitler kill six million Jews I mean, that is bizarre to me. I'm here to tell you, the same spirit of deception that was there is raising its ugly head today. It's time for us to stand up and say, hey, there's one greater than you, and his name is Jesus. Come on, give him praise today if you believe that. This is the church's battle. I fight it as a pastor. You fight it when you invite someone to church. You're going to get, oh, they don't trust it. They don't do this. You're going to run, oh, I'm okay just the way I am. I don't need no church. That's deception. You're going to run, we're going to run across these, and I'm telling you this because we need to know how to pray and how to war against it. The time has come where we can't just survive off a scripture a day. We need to get into our word and learn what the Bible really does say. Look it up for ourselves and know what God's word says so we can rescue people and set him free. This is the church's battle, but I got good news for you. The church is going to prevail. Are you ready for some good news now? Hallelujah. Let's get into some good news. We will prevail. Jesus promised, and he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You can believe anything else, but I believe the words of Jesus, that we may be smaller at the end days, but we'll be smaller but stronger, I believe. And the church is going to remain until Jesus returns in the air. I want everybody, everybody, listen to me, everybody to be a part of the remnant of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus a praise today. Yes, yes, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our greatest and most powerful weapon today. I was going to give you a whole bunch of keys. I'm only going to do one today. The most powerful weapon that we have that God has given to the church and no one else, no other organization, and it is this, the name of Jesus Christ. Yes. 
Come on, give him praise today. The name of Jesus Christ. We have authority and access through the name of Jesus. You have Muslims have the name Muhammad. Hinduism has a thousand names. Agnostics have and atheists have their own opinions. And philosophers have their God and their self. But God said, I've reserved one weapon that will, the gates of hell will not prevail against. And it's on this rock that I will build my church. And that is that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He's alive. He's real. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And he's getting ready to return. Come on, give him praise today. Jesus. We sing that song. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Let's just say that name. There's power in that name. There's power in that name of Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says the devils will bow their knee at the name of Jesus. I could have gave you all these scriptures. Let me just give you one. Luke 10. The disciples got a hold of this when Jesus was teaching about the keys of the kingdom and all of this stuff. They went out. They went out and they began to lay hands on the sick. They began to share their faith. Now listen, you don't got to go casting demons out of people in Kroger. But if they're buying devil's food donut, I'm just going to tell you. You better watch it. But I tell you what is spiritual warfare is sitting down at work or in school, hanging out after class, college students, and say, I want to talk to the professor a little bit. It takes someone that knows their word to be able to go toe-to-toe and talk, have these conversations. One of the best scenes of the short, the, the series Chosen, I love, I got this picture snapshot, I'm going to get it framed. And it's Jesus Christ sitting down at a table with Nicodemus. Pharisees that hated Jesus. Jesus sits down with them. I got a picture in my office with Jesus sitting at the well with a woman at the well. Come on, somebody. See, you, you can't be a baby Christian and do that. You got to know your word to be able to, to you got to know your craft and know the word of God. And we, it's time for the church to learn some things. Have those conversations. Okay, you say Palestine free. There's innocent people in Palestine? Absolutely. Just like there were innocent people, as I said Wednesday night, there were innocent people in Germany during World War II that hated Hitler. There's a, there was a lot of good German folk that did not agree with Hitler. There's a lot of good people in Palestine. There's a church. There's churches in Palestine. They're not the enemy. But I'm telling you, like the prime minister said, they said, have you tried to talk to Hamas? He said, what, nation, what uh, station are you from? <laughs> he said, I can take away their rockets. I can take away Hamas's headquarters, but we can't take away the hate that they have for the Jewish people in their hearts. Right. I said, preach, Netanyahu. Go ahead and go. This is a principality kind of thing. The only thing that will change a soul is Jesus. Is Jesus. If people got saved... And really, God, you want to you cure the sex trafficking problem? Jesus is the answer. Right. Sex trafficking is a global problem, with America's being the number one sponsor, $615 billion. It's sickening, I know. But you know what has what set men and women free from pornography? Jesus. If you get men and women free, they ain't buying no children. They're not, they're not, they're not supporting the same sex, the, 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 uh, any of those industries. If Hamas got saved, they wouldn't be firing no rockets and trying to kill people. 
any, any problem we have, Jesus is the answer. You have the answer. Name a problem. Jesus is the answer. We have power and authority in that name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He says, but then they return. Here's the scripture. 70 of them came back. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Let me just stop there because it's so good. He said there wasn't this long war like, you know, Star Wars, you know, where there's like, choo, choo, they fight in episode one and episode two and, and little spinoff episodes and Disney Plus has these and you got to watch it. And this battle just went on, went on. Jesus said, nope. God said, boom, there you go, fool, down to the world. That's it. That's it. He tried to overthrow and say he's good enough to be worshipped. And God said, I, what, what? Jesus said it was like lightning. You ever see lightning? It's like lightning, that fast. But woe to the earth, Revelation 12 says, for he has come down the great dragon and taken a third of the stars with him and have come to the earth to war against the saints. I'll show you that next week. So he don't say go run and hide. He, then he tells us how we overcame him. But then he says, I give you authority. Everybody say authority. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now that's metaphor terminology for spirits. Don't go barefooted walking on scorpions. I got to say that. They're, they're, they're metaphors. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We talked about this Wednesday night. One of our little uh, kids, little Charlie Stanley, said this. Here's the point. Satan has power, but we have authority. Right, Danny? Little Charlie said that. He said, Mama, do you know that the devil has power? but we have authority. Was he seven, eight, whatever? That's absolutely true. The devil has power. Evil has power. It absolutely has. And it comes against your house. And because some of us, you know, let me, let's bring it back down and, and not talk about Hamas and, and this and that. You may be having a spiritual battle in your home, your teenager, your spouse, your parents, somebody in your family, so deceived, they've been hurt, they're offended, they're not open to the gospel. Listen, this is where I need to tell you. The enemy may have power over them, but you have the authority in Jesus Christ to get them set free. Oh, if I can only get so-and-so to anoint him with oil. You don't need so-and-so. You have the authority inside of you in the name of Jesus Christ that can bind against the principalities and powers. Now, there is a... There, a, there is a corporate anointing that God puts on the ecclesia, the gathering together. I'll talk about that next week, the power of agreement. It's absolutely, but here's the thing. It's in us that has the power to set them free. They had, the enemy has power, but we got authority. It's like in football. You have the linebackers. I always use this as an example. You get 200, 300-pound linebackers. When the Detroit Lions beat the Raiders next, uh, tomorrow night. Sorry, Tomas. Amen. It's going to happen. You'll see how big these linebackers are. They got power, 200, 300 pound men. I mean, just line, offensive linemen, right? But here's the thing, they got power, but then you can get a 160 pound female out there who's a referee. And she has no power like them heavy dudes and big guys, but she's got the striped shirt and she's got a whistle and she's got the rule book. 
She says, I blow that whistle, and this is when the game starts. I blow this whistle and says that it's a touchdown or it's not a touchdown. Why? She don't have the power like the linebackers, but she's got the authority. You may not have the power of Satan, of, God, of the enemy, but you've got the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. Hallelujah. This was supposed to just be a teaching. You got me all sweaty. Hallelujah. I'm getting up there. And we have access to God through the name of Jesus. You have access to go before a holy God, the creator of the universe. You can talk to him. You can talk to him and he hears you about anything, anything, because you have access through the name of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just pass with you for a minute and tell you this. There's a big but coming. There's a big but. In order to use the name of Jesus, you must know the person, Jesus. That's this whole text that I read to you that we stood and read was all about that right there. Jesus said, I don't just give keys to anybody. Did you pick that up? That's why he asked the most important question that everybody must ask themselves and answer correctly. Who do you say Jesus is? If you're a Muslim, you, you, you believe in Jesus, but you say Jesus was a prophet. If you are a person who is from the historical world and is an atheist, you'll say, yeah, Jesus existed, I can't deny, but he was a historical figure. Or you might be growing up in church and say, yeah, I know about Jesus, that's my mama's Jesus. That's that Jesus we go to every Sunday, pastor screams, and then, you know, all this, and I know about you, I believe Jesus, I, uh, yeah, it's that Jesus. Jesus then looked at Peter and says, no, but who do you say I am? Because I got some keys for you, but I just want to make sure that you don't just have your driver's permit, and you're all giddy because you got a key. I want to make sure you know how to handle the traffic, driving that big Mercury Marquis down Wick Road. I want to make sure you got your license. I want to make sure you know and you're ready for this key that I'm getting ready to give you. And it was all hinging on what Peter said. And Peter said, I can answer that question. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the anointed one. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're the soon coming king. You're the, you were there from the beginning. You're going to be there to the end. You are the kings of kings and the Lord of lords. You are Jesus, my Messiah. I worship and believe in you. You know, write this down. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, that our authority over the devil is only as strong as our relationship with God. That's why I said it's time for the church to wake up, suit up, look up. That's a good three-point message. We got to grow up getting our word. You got to know Jesus. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? I can show you in the book of Acts. These guys were preacher's kids, and they went around and tried to cast the devil out of people. And they were saying, in the name of Jesus, they had the name right. In the name of Jesus that Brother Kavar has taught us on Wednesday. In the name of Jesus that Pastor Eddie always screams about. In the name of Jesus that we learn in River Kids. In that name that Lindsay and Felicia said, I, we, we, we want you to bless my life and get rid of the evil in my family. And the devil spoke up and said, hey, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? Why? They had the name, but they didn't know the person. 
It is very important that we move from religiosity and knowing about God to a personal relationship where you know Jesus Christ. That's my job as a pastor, is to get us in the Word and get us to know Jesus. The, the time for nominal Christians is over. That's Christians in name only. We got to get in order. And here's, okay, prove it, Pastor Eddie. That's pretty strong. Our authority over the devil is only as strong as our relationship with God. Yeah, I'm closing. What does that mean? Nothing. <laughs> here's a scripture. I want you to pay attention to the order of this scripture. Are you ready? It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Everybody quotes, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Say the name of Jesus, he'll run from you. No. Submit to God. Our favorite word as Americans. Oh, you know, as a pastor, this Pastor Robert Morris has got this teaching out about the spirit of Jezebel. It's powerful. He pastors a church, one of the largest churches in America, a great teacher. He says, uh, years ago, and I heard this from John Brevere, he said, you know, he said, leaders, you know when you're up against the spirit of Jezebel is when you tell that person no and see how they behave. He said, they'll cry, they'll try to manipulate you, they'll try to make you feel bad, they'll try to spiritualize it. He said, but inside it's a spirit that they don't even realize the spirit of Jezebel. He said, and Peter had it just right after he said this. That upon this rock, you are the Messiah, and we were all just cheering. Five verses later, Jesus said, I must go to the cross and die. Peter spoke up again and said, I'm just going to stop you from going to the cross. And Jesus looks at Peter after he just said, what you just said, I'm going to build my church. He looks at him, dead in his eyes, and he says, get behind me, Satan, for what you're saying now is more aligned with Satan than what it is with God. <laughs> He goes from being the man to the devil because of this thing called submission. I'm just wondering if there's anybody here that seems like the devil is just really pounding on you today and you're not seeing those results. Let me just say, hey, can I just say it how I want to say it? Maybe you got out from the covering because the word submit, everybody say submit. submit. It actually means to stand under. In other words, if I had an umbrella, I'd be saying, hey, man, you, it's raining. Instead of praying that God would stop the rain, he's saying, I've given you an umbrella. Quit cursing the rain when all you got to do is get under my protection. Psalm 91 says it like this. I'm closing for real, kind of, ish. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under, shall abide under, shall abide under the shadow of his wings. This person will say of the Lord, he is my strength and my refuge. In him I trust. Who? The guy who submitted under the covering that God has provided. He will say, devil, you can come for me, but you got nothing in me because I'm going to use the name Jesus and I'm submitted to God. Therefore, I resist and you got to flee. Come on, give him praise if you believe that. Give him praise if you believe that. All right, I'm going to close really this time. 
I had this dream. Worship team, won't you come on up? I had this dream just about, I don't know, two months ago. And the Lord gave me this dream. I was here at the church. And outside the church, it was, uh, it was really it was like an uh, apocalyptic-looking scene, like one of those movies I like, like the end of the world kind of stuff. It's just a dream. Scary, though. And it was just abandoned buildings. It looked like it was ugly. But I was in this church, and there were these groups of people looking for food. They were just walking around. They were like zombies. They weren't zombies. I don't like zombies. They're too gross. Anyway, but I know it's a big, people like that stuff. But they were just, they were just walking aimlessly. And I said, I said the name Jesus. And when I said the name Jesus, they like manifested. All of them did. Some of them, something evil went out of them. It's just a dream. But it was like, whoa. And I said, Jesus. I said it again. And it would be like a ripple effect. So I got speakers, and there was people here with me, and we begin to put speakers all around this building. And it's so powerful, the name Jesus, that we spray painted on some wood, big pieces of wood, and we put them against the building so that even when people just looked at the name Jesus, spirits begin to leave out of their bodies. And I begin to sing that old song, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Remember that song? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the devil, you have to flee. And I begin to sing that song because that's the only song I know. Every time I said the name Jesus, it's like a shockwave went out of this place. And people would go, wow, they'd scream and they'd be relieved and they'd begin to worship Jesus and they'd begin to come to this place. I woke up, that's it. What's the Lord saying? Eddie, lift up the name Jesus. That's all you gotta do. Lift up the name Jesus. I wonder if I got anybody here that would wanna lift up the name of Jesus with me. You want to just stand to your feet and just lift up the name Jesus? I know if this is the first time you're here or you're listening to a message like this, man, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't apologize for any of it. It's all in the Bible. The only thing you really got to walk away knowing at this point is to be submitted to God. That means wholeheartedly say yes. Be all in, as I say. Be all in to Jesus. Don't put one foot in the world, one foot in the pool. We'll see how serious this Iraq, this whole thing in Israel gets. Be all in. Be all in to Jesus. How many are all in to Jesus? How many want to get under that umbrella right now? Just lift your hands to him. And just lift your hands to him. That's a posture of surrender. That's what that means. Say, Lord, I want to come under your umbrella. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's where I want to be. That's where my family wants to be. That's where we need to be. That's where my marriage needs to be. That's where my finance, where everything I own needs to come under the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus. They're going to sing this song. I'm sure Steve's got something that's going to fit. And I just, I don't know how to end this really. I know we've been making room for people to get saved. And yeah, if you're here and you need Jesus, you need to come get Give your heart to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask our altar team to make their way up. Our altar team are spirit-filled Jesus lovers that are anointed and ready to pray with you. And I want to pray with you. We're going to just go like this. We're going to pray for folks today. If you need Jesus, I'm not going to ask for a raising of your hand and all of that. If you need to say yes to Jesus, 
I need you to come up and pray and accept Jesus. It was so good. I met a young man who gave his heart to the Lord last week, and he was back again this week. Michael, bless you, brother, wherever you are. Good seeing him coming back. People are getting saved, guys, at our church. They're saying yes to Jesus. Isn't this great? So if you need, need to say yes to Jesus, why don't you come up and find a prayer worker and let him pray with you. rest of you, you need to just get Jesus in your life. You need to get some things broken off of your life. You need some prayer. We want to pray the name of Jesus over your family, over a stronghold, maybe an area of your life. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to ask you to come and get prayer today. Don't ever be afraid to come to the altars. This is what we do at church. We pray for people. No one goes to a restaurant and is embarrassed to eat. Why? Because you eat at a restaurant. Well, this is what we do at church. We pray for people. We pray for people. If you want prayer, come on, don't wait. Don't worry about who's going to see you. Come on out of your seats. Come on up. Let us pray in the name of Jesus and break some things off of your life. Come on, come on up, come on up. Those of you that are at home and you need to pray, you can put your name in the chat. We want to pray for you. There's people there that's going to pray for you as well. Rest of you, let's worship. Let's fill this room with the name of Jesus this morning. Come on, rest of you, come. Some of you need to be up here. I know. You're going through some things. Come on. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.